born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Now, up there at number one, I want you to see this. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16, Take heed unto thyself, and unto the doctrine continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Lots of God's children are not watching out for themselves. If the man of the home, who's supposed to be the spiritual head of the home, if he doesn't protect himself and do right, how can he do right by his wife or his children? You can't, and you won't. If you let yourself be led by the world, then don't expect the wife or the children to follow God if you don't follow God. You're the head of the home. Every man ought to be a spiritual, godly individual and set his face like a flint, and he makes a difference in his life. This is called sanctification. That's the theological description. It means that you have been sanctified, been made pure and holy, and set apart for God. Now, as a saint of God, you're supposed to live like a saint. You mean i got to live holy? No, this is what God wants. Are you ashamed to live holy? Are you ashamed to live godly? Are you afraid of what people might say and think? Let me tell you this. This is not a Trump commercial. But I don't even know if the man has even trusted the Lord or what he knows about the Lord. But I like what he's doing and I like what he says. And he doesn't appear to be a coward. He has more grit than any man that I've met in politics in my life. At least somebody is willing to stand up against all these nations around the world. And says, this is where we stand. This is what we're going to do. Take it or leave it. When it comes to your Christian life, do you have any true grit? I'm going to live for God and it doesn't matter what anybody else says or thinks. I want to be a godly man. And if anybody wants to call me a self-righteous, holy Joe, then let it be. But God says, be ye holy for I am holy. Does God want you to live a holy life? Does God want you to mature in the Lord, to be a godly individual? I believe so. And should we? Yes, we should. Look at number two. James chapter 1 verse 21 says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. Your soul's already been saved. This has saved your life. This is this period of time that you have, that God's given to you to live, after you trusted Christ as your Savior. Does God want your life? To be used for him. And you'll lose your life if you live for yourself. 
You'll save your life if you live it for Christ. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You've heard that a thousand times. And Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Me to live is, what is it for you to live? What is that word that belongs out there? For me to live is what? I hope that's Christ. Look at the next statement. Number three, Philippians chapter two. And verse 12 says, wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, let me ask you this. You ever have some kids come along and they started getting up around 10, 11, 12, and you feel like, you know, they ought to know enough that I, I can go to the store and I can leave them at home and uh, they'll do right. And you trust them. And you come home and you wish you had never left. And some of them can look you dead in the eye and lie to you and you know they're lying. And some of them you just can't trust them. When your kid finally gets to be 16 years old, should it automatically be that when they get 16, they deserve a car and their driver's license? They deserve it because they're 16. If you can't trust them when they're 15, and when they finally turn 16, I still don't know if I would trust them. I've made a couple of mistakes in my life. I uh, went to town, found this perfect little car for Trina. She just got old enough she could drive. And I, Daddy, I wanted to surprise her. And I got this little yellow Volkswagen. And I pulled it up inside and I went in the house. And I told my daughter, Trina, I says, to look outside. She went and looked. Mine? 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 Yes, that's yours. I said, but it, it needs to be washed. It needs to be cleaned out. I said, so get the hose and you wash it. That girl... She opened up the doors. She took the hose and hosed everything down. Inside and outside. It would not run. It had contact and it, everything was, it would not start. And she, uh, I could have. So later I got uh, a car from my son. He was about a year and a half behind her. He finally got old enough. I'm going to treat this boy right. He's been fairly good so far. I was pushing it, you know, but I went and found this jalopy. I mean, it, it ran. It looked like sin. It was the dirtiest looking old Ford that I could have found. But it was all that I could afford at the time. But at least it had four wheels, it had a motor, and you could steer it. It would go. So I got the thing, and I, I went and hit it. And I came home. And I walked in the house, told David, I said, David, I says, um, happy birthday. He looked at car? Me? Car? He ran outside and he looked and there was no car. He said, well, where's the car? I says, you'll have to go find where it fits. There's a car around a couple blocks from here. And I said, you go find Now, that was not a wise thing to do. <laughs> That kid, he was trying Mercedes and BMWs. <laughs> I guess he couldn't see them there. Ford, Ford. Anyway, in about 10 minutes, here come that pile of junk up into the yard. And he was, he, he says, I can have it. It's my car. 
I said, yeah. He says, can I go drive it now? I said, sure you can. He put it in reverse and backed into the car across the street. <laughs> you know, I think God is a God in heaven who wants to do good things for his children. So he gives you time, gives you a certain amount of wisdom, opportunities, and we mess them up. Not all of God's children are thankful to the Lord for what God's given to them. And God has given to them talents and abilities and skills and so forth, and they use it for the things of the world and not for Him. And they don't honor God. I believe it breaks God's heart. Well, anyway, he says here in number 3, Philippians 2, 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't say work for your salvation. It's working out what God's put in. See, God says, put the word of God into your mind. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So God wants us to work out what he has put in. So it's like giving you a piece of ground. God gave every one of us 10 acres of ground when we got saved. He says, now I want you to plant something. And if you just leave it go, all you're going to get is briars and thorns and rocks. and Or... You can work the land and produce some fruit. This time God's given to you is this piece of land. And God wants to give you some time. And he wants you to clean out some things out of your life. He wants you to plant some seeds. The greatest thing you'll ever build is not a ministry or a workplace or anything like that. The greatest thing and the strongest thing you'll ever build is yourself. Building up yourselves in your most holy faith. How strong are you in the Lord? The next statement. In verse number four, it is God which worketh in you. It's God that works in you. See, what he's already begun, he wants to complete. He gave you a new birth. But God doesn't want you just to run around in your diapers. He wants you to take some of the milk of the word that you may grow thereby. But not all of God's children will drink the milk. Not all of God's children can eat the meat of the word of God. And so the Word of God has no power in their life. Now, you may say, I want the power of God in my life. Well, what do you mean? It means you want influence in other people's lives. See, if you're just a loner and you do nothing, accomplish nothing, you have no influence in other people's lives. So being used of the Lord means I can influence these people to trust the Lord, and I can influence these people and these people. And as you grow and mature in the Lord, you can influence more people to grow in the Lord. You see, whatever you are is what you reproduce. Everything reproduces after its own kind. And if you're a lazy, good-for-nothing Christian, then that's what you produce, is lazy, good-nothing Christian, because they look at you and say, you're not doing anything, why should I? But there's some of God's children, they'll get involved and start studying the Word of God and start growing, and it's amazing. And how God will bless them and people will be challenged and they'll win people to the Lord. And some of them will do this and that and the other and build something for the Lord. Be it unto you according to your faith. That's one of the greatest things in the Bible. When he told that Syrophoenician woman that touched him and says, you've got to help me. Have mercy on me. And he says, I don't want to take the bread and cast it to the dogs. She said, what a terrible thing to say. You know who said that? Jesus did. And she wouldn't quit. She came to him again. She says, help me, thou son of David. 
And because of that, he wound up saying, be it unto you according to your faith. That's the same thing as saying, you can have anything you want. Be it unto you according to your faith. You can have anything you want. What do you want from God? What do you want from your father? Did you know if you honor him, you can just about say whatever you want, and God will meet your needs. But you see, most people are not wanting or doing anything for honoring the Lord or whatever he wants. Look at the next statement. Number five, in Galatians, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. After you trusted Christ as your Savior, born into God's family. You see, you had a flesh birth. When you trust the Lord, you had a spiritual birth. My flesh birth is 75. My spiritual birth is 57. A lot of difference. But God says, if I will walk in the Spirit, means that if I will obey the Scriptures, be an obedient child, then I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But if I don't walk in the Spirit, I'm going to fulfill the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's what's going to control my life. And so it's going to be the way you want it. So God says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you sow to the Spirit, it means the love, and you sow love, you sow joy, you sow peace, you sow all these wonderful things, that's what you reap. If you sow to the flesh, that's what you're going to reap. And you're not going to like what you get. So serve the Lord with all your heart. Look at number 6 there. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I've already quoted it a couple times. I like the verse. But look at this. I just thought I would add a few little things in there. Because we're talking about our sanctification. He also makes this statement in the book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter uh, 3. And it makes a statement about knowing how to possess your souls. Uh, knowing how to live a sanctified life. Uh, we call this a sanctuary. We can call it an auditorium. But you're supposed to keep this body... That's made pure and holy by God in his eyes. It's supposed to be sanctified. I mean, I'm not supposed to do anything that would defile my body. We don't want to do anything in our church that defiles this church. Because we would say, well, it belongs to the Lord. Well, your, your life. There's things in your life that you might need to get out of your life because it doesn't please God. And there's things you need to add into your life because that will please the Lord. Because he says, because of the Lord, he says... Uh, for thy pleasure, thou art and were created. So you were created uh, by God to please God. So learn how to please the Lord. And if you will please the Lord, then God is going to honor you and bless you. So in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, Be not conformed. I mean, that takes time to do that. Growth doesn't happen overnight. You don't trust Christ as Savior. The next day, you're walking as a saint of 50 years. It won't work. And older saints need to be patient with those who are now where you once were. Some people haven't learned how to walk yet. Got to give them time. Got to help them. Bring them along. This is why you want to get people to come to church and study and get involved in a Sunday school class. Get them involved in something so they learn how to read and to grow and become strong Christians. But be not conformed takes time to this world. But be transformed. That takes time by the renewal of your mind. Takes time that you may prove. That takes time. What is that good and acceptable and perfect? All this takes time. We don't have these college kids come to college and then when they get in class, we just cut a hole in the top of their head and we take all the Word of God and pour it in there and then cap it. And say, you ready to go? It'd be easier, I'll tell you that. 
But it takes years to learn God's Word. I told the college kids the other day, I study the Bible more now than I have ever in my life. Then it got less. I study more. Because now I, I enjoy it. Because I know more. And so more of it makes more sense. So it's more enjoyable. Look at the next statement. Letter C. This is what we're looking forward to. Let us see, we will be saved from the presence of sin when we die or are raptured. Our theological description is called glorification. Remember when the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, we have all sinned, but we've all come short of the glory of God. He's perfect. We're not. That's glory, no sin. But we're not there. And so God says to go to heaven, we have to be justified. So God is just. He has no sin. But we need to be just. So because of the payment Christ made for us, we are justified just if we never sin. So we are good to go. But in our Christian life, God says he wants us to sanctify ourselves. In other words, set your life apart unto the Lord. In other words, I'm here to please God. I'm here, I want my life to be holy. I want my thoughts to be holy. I want my decisions that I make. I want them to be what God wants me. So you learn these things. So you're growing in the Lord. And one day, one day, boom, the rapture is going to take place. He may come today. He may come tomorrow. But whenever he does, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed and glorified. means these bodies are going to be changed and made perfect. And we're going to be glorified and caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now look there in verse number one there. Romans 5, 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood. That's already passed. We shall be saved from wrath through him. Number two. Romans 5, 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved, shall be saved, shall be saved. This is something that's coming down the road. We are going to be delivered from this world. Not everybody will be saved in sanctification. Not all of God's children are going to deliver themselves from the power of the devil or the power of that old sinful nature. Some of God's children are going to succumb to its power. They're not going to have victory in their life. They're not going to live close to the Lord. They're going to be rebellious to the Lord, and they're going to mess up their life, and God's going to have to chasten them. But when you talk about it shall be, it shall be. There is a day in which the Bible says our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. One of these days, that day is all going to be over. It's been 57 years ago when I trust the Lord. And I know that one of these days it's going to happen. And if it don't happen soon, I'm going to have to go by the way of the grave. I thought about this 14 years from now. I'll be right there with James Hayslip at 90 years of age. I always got to keep him pushing out there further than me. Do you realize that's not far away and I'll be an old man. You're not old until you get 90. See, there's a plateau. When you get to 70, it's a plateau. And it's 20 years long. Then. But when I'm 89, I might change that. Look at the next one. Number three, Romans 13, 11. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Which salvation are we talking about, see? We're talking about one that is yet to come. Look at the next statement. 
Number four, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. This takes place at the judgment seat of Christ. When we get to heaven, God's going to judge us. He's going to reward us for what we did during these two different kinds of salvation. You see, when I trusted Christ, when I get to heaven, this in-between time, God is going to have us give an account to the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ. And he's going to reward you for what you did. And you'll suffer the loss of what you could have done. Doesn't it make sense if all this is true? To serve the Lord now. Every decision you make now and the reasons why you live, do all the things you do. Don't you think that's important? I believe so. See, I believe when we talk about Christmas, Jesus coming, being born, the little babe. Well, why was he born? But because he was going to die. And he met all the qualifications in order to be the perfect lamb of God. So he was going to die so that he could give to you and I this salvation. He wants to save us, save us, save us. Not just save me from hell and then leave me here for all eternity. Wouldn't that be a terrible thing to have a body like this and a sinful nature and we live like this for all eternity? No, no, no. He wants to deliver me from the sins of this body, this old sinful nature I got. He wants to deliver me from this present evil world. And he says there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. That's what he wants us to have. Then we'll be with the Lord for all eternity. That day is coming. Look at number five. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. That is going to happen. The very next verse. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. That's the bodies that are corrupted. And this mortal, that's those who are subject to die and have not died. Those that are alive when this takes place. And we'll be changed and caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. This is what God has for us. God wants us to be saved, saved, saved. So I am saved. I am saved from the penalty of sin. I am being saved from the very power of sin. And I am going to one day be saved from the very presence of sin. And that takes place when the Lord comes back for us. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And so, since the wages of sin is death, everyone is guilty. Because, you see, we have all sinned and come short of God's perfection. Regardless of how we compare among each other, sin is sin. And God says, as far as we are concerned, there is no difference. All have sinned. And the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God in hell. And God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. So he wants to save us from this penalty. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the cross. Because, see, we need to be perfect, no sin, and we're not. God says you cannot save yourself. We need a Savior. So God, the eternal Father, sent his eternal son, Jesus Christ, into the world. Remember, this is just a changing of his residence. For 33 and a half years. And he lived in a human body and he had no sin, so he did not have to die. He was not guilty of anything. So he voluntarily gave himself to pay for our sins because he loved us. So Jesus Christ took all the sin of all the world and put it on him. And he 
made that payment, came back from the dead and says the only thing we had to do is believe he did it for us. And whenever you believe it, this payment is put to your account and you will not have to go to hell. I cannot go to hell because all my sins are paid. Christ died for me. I'm going to heaven because of that. So when I trusted Christ as my Savior, you know, a few years ago, God saved me. I have eternal life. And that very day that I trusted Christ as my Savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit of God says my body became the temple of the living God. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. God doesn't live, so He lives in me, my body. And so therefore, He wants to lead me and guide me. But He says, now, I want you to study my word. The Holy Spirit, see, is the author of the word of God. Holy men wrote as they were moved or guided along by the Holy Spirit. So you have the author of the Word of God living inside of you. And he wants to teach you all about the devil and all about God and the tricks of the devil and what pleases God so that you understand and can make discern. You can discern right from wrong. You have the wisdom of man, but now you can have the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God comes from the Word of God. So you're to know the Word of God so that you can know the will of God. And it will give you the power that you need so you can have a victorious Christian life. And I want you to be successful in your Christian life. I want you to have the love, the joy, and the peace, and the happiness that you ought to have. And sometimes you want it. But the devil deceives you. And yes, Every child of God needs church on a regular basis to listen and to learn, to grow, to be strong. And we're going to do this for how long? When we have communion, it's looking back to his death till he come. And one day, we're looking for the blessed hope. Not the blessed tribulation, the blessed hope. We are looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. We believe and are hoping that he will come in our lifetime that we get to go to be with the Lord. So I have been saved because of the payment Christ made. He gave me the Holy Spirit to help me to have victory over the sins of the flesh. And then I am looking forward one day when I'll be saved from the very presence of this world because he said there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, right where you are, there's no tricks to this, no gimmicks. We're not going to have you come forward. We're not going to ask you to sign anything. We don't want anything from you. We want you to know that God loves you and he paid for your sins. And we want you to know that if you trust Christ right now as your Savior, he will save you and give you eternal life. Would you believe he loves you that much? And if you believe that, he gives you eternal life and never cast you out. When you get ready to leave, you can say, I know I'm going to heaven because today I trusted Christ as my Savior. In just a moment, I'm going to ask for a raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And you say, preacher, that made sense to me. And I will trust Christ as my Savior. And I'd like for you to pray for me. Is there anyone at all before we close? Say, yes, pray for me. I will trust Christ. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly? Put it right back down. Anyone at all? Yes, God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Just slip it up. Put it right back down. We're not going to embarrass you. Not going to have you forward. Anyone else? If you're watching by internet, right on the screen, it says, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. Would you trust him? I pray that you will. Our Father, we thank you again for this time together. We ask your blessings upon each one here. And Father, we're thankful that you did send your Son into the world 
to become a payment for our sins so that we could have eternal life. And I thank you, Lord, for the individual who indicated by an uplifted hand that they would trust you as Savior, knowing that by doing so, they become your child, that you'll never cast them out and never lose them. We thank you for this church and, Father, for those who have gotten involved and want to see other people come to know you as Savior and want to help others to grow. We thank you for every Sunday school teacher, the college teachers, for those that work on the Internet and the, the radio and all the ministries you've given us, for the outreach. We just pray your will to be done. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me